Well, technical difficulties are fun. Hey, there's, that was just a little minor hiccup. Um, thank you, worship team, for leading us in, in song. Uh, I actually walked in, and, and there wasn't very many people when I got here. And so I was like, oh, man, you know, the new year, it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to be speaking to all 27 people that are here. So thank you for being more than 27 people. That's awesome. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was like, oh, man, you know, I, uh, I'm originally from Edmonton area. And so if you know where St. Albert is, I was up visiting my mom in St. Albert. And uh, I actually, I drove back uh, last night. Um, I got home around like 9 o'clock. But if you know anything about St. Albert, uh, it's a super big sports community. It's like the largest, like, I don't know, for some reason, we're just good at everything there. So, <laughs> like really good at everything. And uh, like our high school, uh, like football teams are always really good. And our high school volleyball teams are always really good. But the biggest sport in St. Albert is hockey, right? And if you know, like, if you've had a conversation with me at all, you could probably tell that I was a hockey player at some point in my life, uh, probably because I give off, like, that, you know, vibe or whatever. Um, but I'm going to tell you a story about how I almost died, okay? You ready? It's going to be crazy. So, um, when I was, well, between... So when I was 16, 17, 18, I played uh, in the Western Hockey League for the Kootenai Ice. Now, uh, the Kootenai Ice is located in Cranbrook, BC. So, uh, you know, if you're from Lethbridge area, you know where Cranbrook is. It's only like a couple hours away. Um, but I, I, I lived there and I played there for about three-ish years, give or take, two and a half years. And uh, there was one time where we were coming back from this long uh, road trip in BC and all of a sudden, you know, uh, how, how it worked out was we, we'd be on the bus. Actually, you can, you can slide to the next picture. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me in uh, Kelowna. And actually, uh, if you want to see something really cool, they used to make, like, hockey cards. So I have a hockey card. If you want to see it, Aaron actually has it in his office. So you can say, hey, if you check the back, it's all the stats say zero. So... <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, and so, yeah, that was me. And I, I can't remember if it was this road trip or not, but we're, this was in Kelowna. We were coming back from our BC road trip. And if you're coming to Cranbrook through the BC way, you know that it's like super windy roads all through the mountains, right? And so uh, I had this bus driver, okay? And this bus driver's name was Beans. That's it. I asked him what his full name was. He just said, call me Beans. I went, okay, all right, Beans, I got you, man, I got you. And uh, what Beans would do, Beans was probably, if I had to guess how old he was, I would probably say 75. And uh, he was driving a bus for a Western Hockey League team. And I probably logged over the course of that time, if not thousands, tens of thousands of hours on a bus, traveling all over Western Canada. Uh, I ended up doing the math, and I found out that the square kilometer of, of the amount of space that we covered was 1.2 million square kilometers in a bus. Oh, oh, wouldn't recommend it, actually. It's not fun. Um, but so, so obviously, we'd have to do overnight trips, and there, we were coming back from this BC road trip, and uh, it was three in the morning when all of a sudden I go, I get like slammed up against the side of the bus. I wake up, like my head hurts. I'm like, oh, what happened? 
And I like pull up my phone and I, I check my phone and it's 3.30 in the morning and I'm like, oh, you know, it feels like we're going kind of fast. And I kind of like, I'm, I'm starting to wake up and I'm starting to come to my senses. And I go, oh, I, I should see how fast we're going. And there used to be this app on your phone where you could see approximately how fast you were going. And so I pulled out this app and I looked and Beans was going 160 kilometers an hour through winding roads in BC in the middle of winter. Oh my goodness. I was just, I kind of started freaking out a little bit, just like tiny little bit. I was like, oh, okay, I got to try to go back to sleep. But how can I go back to sleep when Beans is driving like a madman? Uh, the one thing about Beans that you must know as well is before every road trip, we'd load up the bus, we'd get all of our, all of our stuff on there, and uh, Beans would have a four-pack of the extra-large Red Bulls sitting on the dash. And by the time we'd get to our destination, there was no more Red Bulls sitting on his dash. So Beans would crush. You know, sometimes our road trips would only be like, if we were playing Lethbridge, right? It's only three hours, and there would be no more Red Bulls left. They would be all gone. That's like a gram of caffeine, Beans. You're 75 years old. You don't need that. Okay, maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe once you get, uh, you're, some of you are 75 in here. Some of you are like, I could use a gram of caffeine, actually. That would be, that'd be really nice. Um, I didn't think he needed it, but obviously he did. And his body was accustomed to consuming that much, which probably is not still good for your health or your heart. Um, so yeah, that's the story about how I almost died. And if, uh, if you have your Bible, we're uh, going to be reading out of John today. And I tell you that story for actually a specific purpose. And, and um, oftentimes, I really actually truly believe that maybe we're not beans, maybe we're not a Western Hockey League bus driver, but sometimes we live life as though we've just consumed four cans of Red Bull. We are constantly racing and running to the next thing and to the next thing and to the next thing. And I mean, I just got back from, from my hometown. And uh, when you go back to your hometown, right, like uh, you have to catch up with people and you end up, you know, you have to see all of your friends and then uh, you end up going from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. And it's actually really busy. It was super busy. It felt busy, and I felt like the whole time it was not restful whatsoever. So this past week, I was actually just like, you know, struggling and struggling and struggling and, and, and going to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, and you know what? It was really good, though. I love those people. I love my friends back home, and I, I actually really, it gave me a lot of life spending time with them, but in no way was it restful. And oftentimes, I look at the example Jesus gave us, and he was never in a hurry and never rushing from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. So reading out of John 11, starting in verse 1, you have it behind me on the screen here. I'm reading out of uh, ESV. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. 
But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. He's going to stop there. Pause. Quick question for you, actually. And I want you guys to, I'm, I'm actually going to take some time. It's going to be a little bit, you know, unconventional, I guess. But I actually want you to turn and talk to the people. And I'm going to ask you this question. Who's the busiest person you know? I'm going to give you like a minute, okay? Talk amongst yourselves. Who's that person that's always in a hurry? Always just go, 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 go. Is it you? Oops. All right. That wasn't a minute, but that's okay. Uh, from what you know about Jesus, was Jesus busy in that sense of the word? I don't think he was. I mean, he was the guy who had probably the most amount of stuff to do. I mean, people were constantly coming to him with their problems and their issues and saying, help me, help me, help me. And every single time, he actually took the time to be with them. Was that, is that the kind of busyness we're talking about today? Actually, I don't think so. But in this passage, we read this, a certain man was ill, Lazarus. And, and, you know, Mary and Martha are his sisters. And Mary was that one who anointed and wiped his feet with her, with perfume. Um, and, and Lazarus was becoming ill. And Jesus is informed about Lazarus becoming ill. And then the text says that he waited two more days before even leaving. I don't know about you, but in my mind, in my conventional knowledge and wisdom, if I have the ability to help somebody or save somebody or stop the bleeding, you need to do it right now, right? You need to go as soon as you possibly can to help that person. But Jesus waits two more days. Like if I was Martha and Mary, I'd be like, hey, Jesus, you have the ability to save my brother. Why are you hanging out a couple more days, chilling with your boys? Well, I don't understand. But I actually think that this passage actually is significant in that Jesus actually took his time with the people he was with. He wasn't in a hurry to get to Lazarus. Even though conventional wisdom would say, go right now, Jesus actually said, wait we're going to wait two more days. I'm going to spend two more days with my disciples because I know that there's something greater to be done here. I know that there's something that has to be done first. 
And oftentimes, actually, uh, I know I'm very much so sometimes uh, guilty of this, is when I read the Bible, I actually dehumanize a lot of the people in it. I, I consider them either like these, you know, supernatural heroes of the faith, and sure, maybe some of them are, but actually the same struggles that they dealt with, we deal with as well. And so, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, like, oh man, you know, what are the disciples thinking? They probably heard Martha and Mary come up to Jesus and tell him, hey, this guy's dying, you need to come. And he's probably like, okay, he's like, okay, hang out, you know, hang tight, We're, we'll, we'll be there. And this also wasn't like, you know, two days and then they could just like hop on, you know, the QE2 and, and go 160 or whatever, like Beans was going. And, and get there in like a couple hours. No, this was like a couple days trip, right? Like this took actually a while. So it was two days plus maybe another two days of travel. In John 14, picking back up this story, says this. this so this was, this is, this is, you know, after all of this has happened, after the two days and four days, it says this. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, what? That's a little dramatic, Thomas. The text continues and says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Oh, funny math. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Many of the Jews had come uh, to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Pause there. So Lazarus had been dead for four days already. And Jesus had stayed that extra two days where he was, two days of travel and he didn't actually leave in a hurry. So what we're, what we're seeing here in this text is this like very weird timing about how, you know, Jesus actually says like, hey, I'm actually grateful that I wasn't there. And like, what? Like again, against conventional wisdom, like if you have the ability to save somebody, you would go as fast as you possibly can. You would be in a hurry to get there. But Jesus says, no, this, is, this has been done so that you may believe. He says, for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. And so what's this, what's this guy Thomas doing too? He says, uh, you know, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay, that's a little dramatic, Thomas, but I get it. You know, like we're human beings. We're, we're, we're in a state of mourning sometimes. And sometimes that causes us to think irrationally. But this is weird. Thomas is saying, like, let us go that we may die with him. Okay, sure. Not really sure why you said that, Thomas. 
But then when Jesus finally goes to Lazarus, he's been in this tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had already come to Martha and Mary to console them. And Martha, having heard that Jesus was on his way, walked out and met him on the road and said, Hey, I know that if you had been here, he would have been okay. But I know that also, whatever you ask from God, it'll be given to you. Corrie Ten Boom was this woman in uh, the Netherlands. She's, she's this Dutch woman. Uh, she was alive in, during World War II, and her and her family actually hid uh, many Jewish people uh, during the Holocaust. Which in turn, you know, the, the, the Nazis ended up finding out that she was hiding Jewish people. And so they actually took her and her family and sent them to concentration camps themselves. And, and one of the fascinating stories, actually, of she writes this book called The Hiding Place. And it's basically the story of her life and, and, and everything that happened. And while she's in the concentration camp... Uh, she's in this bunkhouse. And this bunkhouse is filled with fleas. Gross. But because it was filled with fleas, none of the German soldiers, none of the Nazi soldiers, would enter into the bunkhouse. And so she was, actually to sh- she was able to share with people the gospel. And she was able actually to set people free from affliction and bondage and give them hope in a time that was hopeless. And she said, praise God for the fleas. But this woman also said this, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. He will make you in a hurry everywhere you go. In John John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says this, hurry is the violence of the soul. He's saying that it so affects you so much, so like a war inside of your body. That's what hurry does to you. That's what hurry does to the state of your soul. It shakes you up and causes this war inside of you. And as we hear about wars all over the world right now, we go, wow, those, like, you know, we're so fortunate to live in Canada and all of these things, but yet still people live in this, like, haven't you noticed there's like this heightened state of anxiety in people? Like, it's kind of like, you know, uh, we, we, it's like we have this, uh, this, this hole or this, this want or this need that we're not receiving or fulfilling. And so we get anxious about all of these things and, and, and it's, it's kind of killing us. It's this, it's this violence of the soul, this anxiety, this tormenting thinking, you're, you're, our overthinking almost. And in John Marks Comer, that book as well, he says this, both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut your connection to God. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and to even your own soul. And if you have social media, you probably understand this to a certain degree. I mean, everything on social media is designed to grab your attention, it's designed to make to draw you in and suck as much time out of your day as you po- as it possibly can, show you advertisement after advertisement after advertisement. 
It is there to grab your attention and your time. So I'm going to ask you, and actually um, another interactive part of this sermon. Yes, it's going to be great. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and if you answer yes to any of them, I actually just want you to stand up wherever you are, okay? So, who in this room uh, plays at least one sport and practices that sport or games weekly? Stand up if that's you. Stand up. Yep, yep. we got some people standing. It's good. It's good. Okay. Uh, who here plays an instrument and practices weekly, roughly? If you Still stand up. Still stand up. If, you, if that's you, still stand up. Uh, who here has a kid under the age of 18 that constantly demands every second of your attention? Stand up if that's you. <laughs> I see you moms out there. I see you. Okay, who here attends church on Sunday and maybe one of the other days throughout the week? Stand up if that's you. Well, you're all here right now, so. And maybe you're like, well, actually, that's not me. Who here has friends that they like to hang out with weekly? If that's you, stand up. If you can't stand up, I get it. Just kind of like, you know. Who here has a, a, a more than 20-hour-a-week job, more than a part-time job that they must work at every single week? Stand up if that's you. Stand up. Keep standing up. Keep standing up. Keep standing up. Look around the room, okay? Look around the room. Everybody in this room actually has a ton of things going on in their lives, right? Like a ton of things going on. And what Jesus is calling you to is actually to take your time in those things. To not be rushing from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. He's actually saying, hey, walk at my pace. Pace with me. Because I'm not in a hurry and you don't have to be either. You can sit down. Thank you for, thank you for doing that. Jesus is saying, hey, there's a new way actually to do life. There's a new way to be human. You don't have to be in a rush all the time. You don't have to be going from thing to thing to thing. You can actually just be present where you are. You can practice a non-anxious presence where you are. And actually, in John Mark Comer's book, again, I'm referring to this, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says, hurry is the opposite of love. And that when you take your time in moments, it shows that you actually care about what you're doing and you care about the people around you. It's a fascinating thing, right? Because we say we love people and then we go, oh, yeah, 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 I gotta go. So again, I ask the question, why did Jesus even wait before going to his friend who was dying? In John 11, starting back up in verse 23, this is what it says. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection in the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. In this passage, Jesus declares himself the resurrection. What does that mean? It means that he is more powerful than life and death, that he can choose to give life and death to whomever he pleases. He is the one in control. That's what Jesus is saying to Martha here. Jesus is also saying that following him is not just about getting to go to heaven at the end of your life. Martha says, you know, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha's pointing about, you know, to the end of time. But Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying you actually can live differently right here, right now, today, Martha. And he's calling you to do the same. You see, he doesn't want you to live this anxious presence anymore. He doesn't want you hurrying through life, going day by day by day, running as fast as you possibly can. But actually he's saying, slow down with me. Slow down. You see, what you do with your time on this earth matters. It matters so much. And it matters so much that you should actually be taking your time in everything you do. A fascinating uh, side part of this is uh, Jesus makes, in the Gospel of John, he makes uh, these seven I am statements where he says, I am, you know, the good shepherd. I am the resurrection life. I am the door to the sheepfold. And what Jesus is saying when he says, I am, is actually he's referring all the way back to when God actually first revealed himself to human beings. In Exodus 3.14, it's this burning bush moment. And, and God is talking to Moses through a, a, a bush that's not being consumed by fire, but it's on fire. And God reveals himself the very first time as I am the I am. So every time Jesus says, I am this, he's actually saying, I am the God from the Old Testament. I'm the same and I will be the same forever. And I think that's often, that's oftentimes why actually the Jewish people wanted to kill him. It's because he was saying that he actually was the same God from the Old Testament. In John 8, 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. And in verse 59, the Jewish people pick up stones to throw at him. So Jesus, this God, he's saying he has power over life and death. He's saying, slow down with me, live at my pace. John Mark Comer once again says this, our time is our life and our attention is the doorway to our hearts. What we give our attention to is the doorway to our hearts. 
And in another passage, Jesus declares this in Matthew 11. He says this, At the time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and understanding, and revealed them to, to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. This is what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What this yoke he's talking about is, is, is they used to chuck this thing, it looked like a big wooden M. They used to chuck it on farm animals, put it on their shoulders. And these two farm animals, they would keep them going at the same pace. And usually it was a yoke was designed to sit on their shoulders, but also pull a plow. So it wasn't just to keep them together, but it was actually for a purpose of plowing the fields. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Take my big wooden M upon you because my burden is easy. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. So in 2024, as we round the corner on another calendar year, let's begin to walk at the pace of Jesus. In John 20, Jesus says this, Just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you to be with the people that you're with, to love them and care for them at the pace of Jesus. Not in a hurry, not going from the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. Being intentional with your time because it is the doorway to your heart.